Hi, this is Steve Wick, president of Drive Through RPG, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, PJ, and Jessica discuss matching a story idea to the best world system. In the news, Dungeons and Dragons is coming to virtual reality. D&D Beyond stats on what characters we made in 2023. The Rebel Moon lawsuit between Evil Genius Games and Netflix has settled, and more. Plus, a brand new sketch about a new party member who may not be who they claim. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Heavenly Academy of Marital Arts. Marital Arts? This is a family podcast. Even I have standards, and I'm the world's foremost evil wizard. What? Martial Arts. Oh, oh, well, that's different then. The Heavenly Academy of Martial Arts, where you can learn to kick and punch your way out of anything. Hmm. Fisticuffs. I don't see what's wrong with a good fireball. Uh, ouch. All the tabletop role-play news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week is... PJ Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, it's a delight to be here. Joining us also, in perhaps a slightly more delicate state than she'd like to be, mm. is the one... It's Yanni. It's... It's me, Jessica, from EM Publishing. Thank you, Peter, for that gentle introduction. <laughs> I'm, in fact, a little bit hungover, hmm. but nevertheless, yes, the TTRPG news <laughs> will not wait for anyone's hangover. We, and we all know that people shouting loudly is the best thing when it, you're hungover. Yes, I, it's my favourite thing. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I could <laughs> grab a couple of pots from downstairs and bring them up if you like. <laughs> no, no, it's... Well, no. I'll just mute you <laughs> and that'll be fine. <laughs> Anyway, 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 <laughs> let's do some um, RPG news, mm-hmm. shall we? Jolly good. Yes. Let's do that, that, that. All right, we've got, we got a few bits and pieces. Um, this is this is a, this is an interesting one, though. Do you know, you remember the uh, Rebel Moon RPG? Mm, by Evil Genius. Evil Genius Games was making it for oh, Netflix, yes. and then Netflix cancelled the contract because then there was a big old thing that happened and then Evil Genius Games sued Netflix for breach of contract and Netflix said that Evil Genius Games had breached confidentiality and there was a back and forth and then a lawsuit started happening and so on. Well, that lawsuit has now been resolved. Oh, that was quick. What is the resolution? Yes, well, we don't really know. But we do still know that still there is not going to be a, a Rebel Moon tabletop RPG. Probably just well that there's not going to be a Rebel Moon uh, game because the critical reception of that uh, movie has not been kind, at least in the thirties time. Then yeah, but even so, Evil Genius did put a lot of work and effort into making this thing and not being able to release it. It's got to be a hit, you know, got to be a, a financial well, hit of some kind. According to Evil Genius, Netflix has thanked them for their professionalism and. Um, Reading between the lines, there's going to be a certain amount of reskinning and rewriting 
of those RPG favourites. <laughs> and so they're going to release it as something else, and, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, to it. Sci-fi setting Actually. of their own creation. <laughs> will it be? I think. I think part of the problem was that Netflix asserted ownership of everything that they made. That's right. Yeah. So they or couldn't they use wrote, it. Yeah. But also, despite cancelling the contract. Yeah. Um, which presumably at that point they wouldn't have ownership of any of it because the contract would be void. Mm. It was like they used a lot of the world building material apparently mm. that Evil Genius did in that in that game or in a, in a sort of product bible, world bible, yeah. in the film wow. and in plans for future films and video games and other other properties. You know, because it's a fr- it's going to be a franchise apparently. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, I I I would be. I, would <laughs> I know be there were plans. I know there were plans for it to be a franchise. Whether that remains based on the reception. Yeah. Well, 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 I mean, obviously it's going to be about money. Let's see how yeah. it did in. Uh, well, because it's on Netflix, they do it by how many well, views. Yeah, Netflix in the first... doesn't share that information. Though, they do so it you by never know, do you? views in the first week, I think, and that's all they tend to look well, at. I'll tell you this: Rebel oh. Moon Part One: The Child of Fire mm-hmm. uh, was twenty twenty three. There is Rebel Moon Part Two: The Scar Giver twenty twenty four. With yeah. Cleopatra Coleman, Charlie Hunnam, and Carrie Elwes, yeah. and that's quite soon as well. It's like March or April. It's, it's not like a year a year away. It's very yeah. soon. But that's because they've already by the time they released the first one, they'd already probably finished filming and done everything yeah. for the second one. Because on that release schedule, yeah. that would have been probably well into the editing and nearly finished yeah. by then. So yeah, but anyway, had yeah. Star Wars good times. Yeah. Well, the uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's been resolved in some manner or other. I don't know if any settlement was paid. I, you know, I don't know. I hope people genius got paid any for their details. work. And rather more than well, hopefully they've been paid for their work. Yeah, one, one would hope. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I guess they've got a little bit of publicity out of this. I guess yeah. well, certainly getting some maybe. Yeah. So always good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, good on them. I'm glad. I'm glad it's solved. I don't know whether, you know, I really, I don't know whether they're happy or not. Really, and they can't really say. I guess, mm. but um, it says it's been resolved amicably. So, yeah, you just have to take them at their word. I guess we yeah. had a bit of controversy erupt quite recently. In no, that doesn't sound that, like no, that never I don't happens. Think that's I mean, yeah, what, what I said, it's like you know, drama in the CTRPG thing. No, never. Um, no. Not fair. Go on, tell us. Tell us about the latest. The latest. Controversy. Uh, well, Pearl Grain Press has released a book called something like The Ultimate Guide to Games Mastering by a chap called Justin Alexander, um, who I know is well known to us as a person of a sane and level temperament. In his book, he has gone through... So he's re- it's basically a reprint of some marks of his blog, as far as I can make out. And in it, um, he's changed certain things from... Uh, Jacaying a dungeon to Xandering a dungeon. Oh, yes. 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 So the Jacaying is in reference to Janelle Jacays, who recently passed away, who was mm-hmm. rightly famous for non-linear mm. level design in dungeons, which is like why things like Quake and other things like the Caves of Thracia were and are regarded as design classics. Mm-hmm. So I, before I was aware of this, I, I read his blog post where he was talking about Jacaying uh, decaying dungeon, and they switched to talking about Xandering a dungeon. And, mm. like, having read the blog that he wrote, right, I'm left wondering, why Why is it called Xandering? Is this some sort of Buffy reference that I have missed? That's what my, was my first thing, and I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't, 
I didn't understand why. Like, yeah, well, well Xander is sh- Xander is short for Alexander. And that well, is you see, th- this, but, this yeah. is where Russ is ahead of the game because I was like read this blog. Oh, that was a self wrote- reference. Yeah, yeah. He he mm. basically so, he wrote about oh. Janelle Dukes' work and then decided to call it Xandering. And that just yeah. left me so confused. Like, I was so confused. I didn't realise it. Like he, like you, Jessica, I was thinking, he's right about Janelle Dukes' work yeah. and then maybe there's a... Xander reference that so, so, I don't know. A little bit of history to it. Um, yeah. So he Please. coined the term... Decaying. Um, decaying. No, no, he coined, coined the term... Oh, decaying. Decaying. Yes, okay. Which... Yes, missed, missed, up, missed up the S. Which, yeah, like, yeah. If, on, on, the end of, on the end of her name. Yeah. Has a has a coffee, I, I can definitely understand the annoyance if someone goes around misspelling my name. People have mm. asked me for significant sums of money and misspelt my name. Which hmm. did not go over well with me, I can assure you. Yeah, my name gets misspelled every single time. Double everything is what I tell well, them. <laughs> every, every, every consonant in my name, just double it and you'll probably be safe. If you, if anyway. you two have a basic name like Jessica Hancock, no one would misspell it. Because they are the mo- they're two really basic common names and, you know... Would you like to swap, would you like to swap names, Jess? Would you like to Which be name? Lost Morrissey from now on? No. No. No, you've got to have the whole thing. You can't have part of it. Well, I technically be the legal owner of EM Publishing then, if I take your name, because oh, na- it's registered all no, in that no. name. And your house no. and your car. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, my <laughs> gosh, yeah. I could be a homeowner. <laughs> Do I have to keep the dogs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Django uh, well, will adjust, yeah. it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to have Marvin. I wouldn't mind, but I think Django, my dog, would be really upset because he's in mm. his grumpy man era. Uh, uh, anyway, Janelle Jacques anyway, was yes. like, this this, this is quite annoying. It's not Jacquesing a dungeon, it's Jacquesing a dungeon with the S yeah. in. The S has been part yeah. of my name my entire life. Yeah. Um, and there's so, been various back and forths, and uh, there's a. A uh, blog post on uh, dmydragons.blogspot.com, um, which goes into a significant amount of evidence. And I've seen some wild takes, which are like, well, of course, he can call it Xandering, um, because he popularised it. Which, of course, makes me think, naturally, of Huxley's On the Origin of Species, and, of course, Bill Nye's work uh, with Nye's Law, Nye's Equation, and Nye's Law of Motion. Yeah, Apologies yeah. if you don't get the science jokes, but luck it up. Yeah. Anyway. So, so basically, it's kind of so. He coined, I can't remember how long ago it was. He coined the term. It was a number of years. Uh, Two thousand and ten. Okay, yeah. so quite quite a while ago. Yes. Called it decaying, not decaying. And yes. um, obviously, it was in reference to that stand that style of dungeon yeah, design, design yeah. for, for which for which he was famous. Yeah. So, as I understand it, mm. she contacted him, mm. Justin Alexander, and. Um, asked him to correct the spelling and say, my name is Jacques, not Jacques. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, I don't mind you co- um, coining the term Jacquesing the dungeon, the yeah. term, but could you spell it correctly? Yeah, like, and, the, um, the flattering part is naming it after me, but could you spell my name right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then his response was something along the lines of going back and changing the reference would be an extraordinary amount of work, which I'm not able to do. Which kind of flummoxed <laughs> a few people. Um, yeah, yeah. Could, I, you, I, I, could um, you, going forward, say it correctly in all future references? Yeah. Um, like, like, maybe. There's then, an argument for the weblink, maybe being harder to do, but, like, all the text in a blog post is very easy to change. Well, and get he was right able to change it to Xandering the Dungeon, so if you can change it to Xandering the Dungeon, you can change it to Jacasing the Dungeon, presumably. But Good point. Like it. One change, is, one change adding, adding an S is harder than changing it to Xander, I guess. I don't know. But... Let me, yeah, so let me introduce so, a concept we call Control Find. 
it'll change your yeah. life for us. The replace button, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, that's that's what appears to have happened. And then kind of doubled down on it. Mm. And then, it, of course, there's been a backlash because there would be, especially mm. because mm. Um, General Takei's passed away, like, no, you know, two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And people have been saying that it's kind of an erasure of um, her accomplishments yeah. by renaming it after himself. Yeah. Um, it, part, partly, I think it was... Maybe because there's a book coming out, mm. and I don't know. Apparently, um, his lawyers had, he had a conversation with his lawyers, and they advised him to change the name to something that he controlled. Mm. It's very strange. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's, a, it's an odd, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. Um, I, I, so I, mean, he, I find it very bizarre. He's always been kind of very pro-inclusivity and pro-trans and stuff. Oh, yes. And obviously, Janelle Jacase is, um, um, you know, a, a, a trans, or what's a, 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 a trans game designer. Mm. Um, so um, some of the accusations at him have been that it's kind of like uh, anti-trans. I don't think that's what's going on there, because historically, he has been very, very pro on that on yeah. that front. But it is an odd kind of weird thing to do. Well... I mean, so, October 2016, he published Fort of the Day Dead Names, where he lays out a six-part yes. defence for his yeah. refusal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I, what I, was, I read so, so, bits of that, his blog. That mm-hmm. article yeah. contents, is that like pro-using people's dead names? Or what is the what was the stance there? Um, he lays out a six-part defence for his refusal to update the original poster include Janelle's correct name. Plot of hypotheticals and counterfactuals. Uh, I didn't go and read the original article or the okay. web thing, as I say. All right, uh, but no, don't worry if you haven't read it. Is, I just I, from I the title, I was like, oh, that no, that's fine. No, uh, the, the title looked yeah. like it might upset yeah. me if I read it. I, think, I get very I think, angry. That's fair enough. I didn't want to go yeah. online. I think, and the, shout the, I think the thrust that's was about um, retroactively changing references to the dead name on older posts. I think I'm not one hundred percent sure. Okay. Yes. It's an but, odd hill to stand uh, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Another another week, another controversy in TTRPG. I have some yeah. non-controversial news if we'd like to talk Fantastic. about more that fun creativity and innovation oh, yeah, in our industry. Be okay, <laughs> so next month in February is Zine Month. Oh, okay. Don't know if you're familiar. Uh, so originally, Zine Quest is something Kickstarter, the crowdfunding platform, started. And they put a tag on it, so ZineQuest tag goes on mm-hmm. it, and it's designed to let you know smaller creators make tabletop, you know, role playing games that are like Zine smaller ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they encourage people to flood the the platform with that. So there's loads of projects, mm. and there are loads taking place. So the one on Kickstarter is called ZineQuest, but I refer to mm. it as Zine Month because lots mm. of other platforms also support this. So it's not oh, just right. a Kickstarter mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's spread. So it's yeah. on like itch and well, like loads of places, more than I can mention. Mm. But if you look around the internet, you will see Zine Month things. Um, mm. And there's loads of really cool projects coming out. There's more than I can name, but yes. the last two weeks I have had a flood of press releases coming through to us for, at EM World about them. And I know Egg Embry's doing his best to write up the summary article, which is <laughs> mm. really difficult because there's so many great projects. That's, that's a big yeah. thing to climb. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah there's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of them. As, is, um, as it's designed to be. Released. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would say go around and have a look on the platform you like to buy RPGs um, and you'll likely see something for Zine mm. Month. And it's a really good way to 
support you know independent creators mm-hmm. and there's always some things that are a bit weird and a bit different <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're normally priced in a way that you can like give it a try so if it's someone yeah. new who you haven't you know you haven't seen their work before or it's an idea that you're like oh that's a bit out there i'm not sure about it usually you can get a pdf for quite a low price to just give it a try and that's so mm-hmm. it's so great for little smaller indie creators that are starting out it can really so, give them a good start so so here's a question mm-hmm. for um for, for folks who aren't necessarily familiar with the concept of a zine, mm-hmm. or a zine, as I prefer to say. A zine. A zine. <laughs> I was worried really you'd grow confused, Russ. If we're talking about zines, and they are saying, yeah. but what's this got to do with zines? Sounds better. <laughs> it sounds better. A zine is in, like, um, magazine, anyway, I figure. I, I, I get the logic. I still think zine sounds better. I've this before, Jessica. We're just going to have to live English, it's not consistent. No, it's not, because we went around the world and stole loads of other people's languages, and it's yeah. a very English thing to do. Three in the British in museums tra- in a trench coat. Hey. <laughs> but anyway, so what? What, what is, is a zine? A zine slash a zine, as opposed to any other type of small um. So RPG they're small form booklets that are like oh. usually kind of stapled together instead of glued as a you know type thing. Mm-hmm. And it started in the nineteen twenties. Mm. Not mm. for RPGs, obviously, because <laughs> went around them. But they, it was RPGs did not exist. It was to distribute cheaply poetry, short stories, and things like that if you don't mm-hmm. have a big bu- budget. So it was meant to make publishing more accessible. Uh, and now with drive through RPG and print-on-demand places, printing zines, you can do that at quite a reasonable rate. Mm. So, yeah, they're usually quite, yeah, smaller kind of booklet-type things. Yeah. So it's not like I a remember, hard-colored book or anything like that. But yeah. I remember photocopied zines. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm. when, when, when photocopying became a, a, a thing, yeah. people would make a zine and then just photocopy like a hundred of them and then hand them out to all their friends mm. and... And things like that, and that that was a thing. A friend of mine um, was doing that at a, like a public. Mm. Li- it wasn't a library, but it was somewhere like that. And it was an RPG, but it had guns and stuff in it uh, because it was like I think mm. it was Spycraft oh, yeah. or something like that. And the people mm. at the place called the police to come have a look because they just saw somebody photocopying a load of schematics for guns and things like that, <laughs> right. and were like, "Oh!" So, so he had to try and explain to the police what a tabletop role playing game was and what he was doing. Did they not? Did they not ask him first? They just no. The police. Well, in fairness, no, you. No. Yeah. No, they did not. <laughs> they were just like, "Okay, we're going to call the police. <laughs> we're not going to confront this. We're not going to confront this okay. arms dealer. We're going to just." Uh... Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, but fair it was enough, all fine because once they found out, they were like, "Oh, it's fine." But it, yeah, that's quite a funny story about zines. I think if you were an arms dealer, you probably wouldn't need to photocopy your stuff at the library. I no. mean, no. I, I'm quite ignorant about international arms. arms. Well, so am I. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is a traditionally how arms dealers. Go yeah, about I don't. Their I, don't, I, don't I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> be the person to ask. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but yeah. Mm. Okay. But that is my information. Basically, Zine Quest is happening throughout February, Zine Month even. Um, so go have a look and maybe spend a couple of dollars or pounds to give mm. something new a try. So D&D Beyond um, released some statistics. Oh, okay. no, they've done anything bad. Okay. They released some statistics. Mm-hmm. Nice. So they've been doing this for. There's been a long time. It's actually been. They used to do it all the time, didn't they? And you get these graphs and things oh. like the uh, most popular archetypes and the most popular weapon and the most popular spells well, and things like that. And then it kind of stopped for like the last couple of was, years for was some that reason. When it went to Hasbro, P- possibly. Yeah. yeah, it might. It might be tied with that. Yeah. yeah. And the best um, classes, which were fighter and rogue. Yeah. I do think they are the best classes. I agree. They're the yeah. ones I like to well, play. Most popular classes. They're yeah. the best. No, um, I think they're the best. best. Oh, yeah. I think they're the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the wizard. Thank you very much. 
Anyone can be wrong. Anyone can be Anyone can be wrong. So, so what we got is, um, and and these, to be honest, that it hasn't really changed all that much since since they used to do it. Yeah. Although apparently you know, there were some minor changes. Mm. So the most common species. Human. I think you can guess what the most common one is. Human. Uh, we start with human. Yes. Default setting. Half elf. Yeah. Um, and half elf isn't there uh, until one, two, three, four, five. Number five. I reckon tiefling's quite high. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so we got. So I'll give you the top five. I won't read them oh, all. Okay. Uh, human, elf, mm-hmm. yeah. dragonborn, yeah. tiefling, and then half elf. Fair enough. So that's the, that's the top species. Yeah. Um, this is all basically based on what characters people are making on D and D Beyond. Yes, so yes. they can just pull the data out and just get massive data dumps of like, yeah. mi- literally millions of characters, mm-hmm. and these are all through twenty twenty three. So and it, it kind of drops off quite a lot as well. When you got humans, you're seven hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then you look at something like I mean, I guess it's because these are in supplementary books, but um, an Asimar or an Arakokra, but they're down uh, sort of like uh, sixty to eighty thousand. Like a tenth of the number of like, Arakokra, I'm not too surprised. They're basically banned by whole piles of GMs mm. because yeah. they've got flight, and that can be quite intimidating. Uh, gnome, then. Let's go gnome. We're talking just core yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I'm talking just player fanboy. The lowest one on there is gnome. Um, no. That's at 100k, with humans at 700k. So I mean, that, one seventh. That's a lot of people playing gnomes. Yeah, yeah. 100,000 people playing gnomes, yeah. 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 Fair enough. Um, what else have we got? We've got classes. Mm-hmm. Fighter and Rogue being the best two, of course. Uh, um, yeah. Yep, they, they, are, they are the top two on there, followed by uh, Barbarian, Wizard, Paladin. Mm. It's not... This This one isn't quite as dramatic a drop-off, though. It's, yeah. uh, I don't know. Until, until you get to the Artificer, which is obviously not in the player's handbook. Mm. Oh, that's why. It's, okay. it's, it's a more shallow slope. Yeah, yeah. I'm also a bit intimidated by playing that. A friend, we just started a, a D&D campaign, and a friend of mine's playing mm. that, and it seems like there's a lot to, to manage and do when you're new to it. It's a, it's a new... Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I'm not playing it. I, I'm even me just looking over. I'm like, oh, it feels like you have a lot of things mm. to, to deal with there. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Which book is it in? Is it Eberron? Yes. I can't remember which book yes. it's in. Yes, yeah. it is. We're in an Eberron campaign, yeah. so that makes sense as to mm, why. Yeah. I think that's why they made it. They're like, well, while we're here, let's let's do the thing. Yeah. Whilst in Eberron, do what the Eberronians yeah. do. Exactly. Which is because <laughs> Daryl, um, who wrote this column, <laughs> contrasted this information with the stats from Baldur's Gate 3. Oh. Just out of interest. Nice. Good thing, Daryl. Yeah. So that's clever. Four species, mm-hmm. the top species was half-elf. Rather than yeah, human. that's because they have the prettier face options, I think. <laughs> like, when you're okay, customising okay. your character. Look, Baldur's Gate 3 is a dating sim. Jessica's convinced yes. me of this, and Absolutely. I see no reason to change my mind on the matter. Well, mm-hmm. no, Baldur's Gate is many things to many people, and it can be a dating sim if you want it to be. If you uh, want it to I'm be. choosing to play it that way, but other people, okay. you know, go around and fight things. I, 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 it's I'm, your choice. I'm, I, I, I'm just like randomly browsing through social media, and there are women enthusiastic about the fact that they can have like several queer boyfriends. I'm like, yeah. Hmm. I had not considered that angle. Yeah. But I am pleased that you have found something else to enjoy about the game. Yes. <laughs> and you can have several queer girlfriends as well. Yeah. Marvellous. It's great. Yes. Anyway, what have, what was the contrast in the column? <laughs> <laughs> so the contrast with the classes. Oh, yeah. um, hmm. So on D&D Beyond, it's Fighter, Rogue, Barbarian, Wizard, Paladin, top yeah. five. On Baldur's Gate 3, mm-hmm. Paladin, mm. Sorcerer. Warlock, Rogue, Bard. Fighter doesn't even get a look in. No, 
fair enough. Maybe that's because... No, actually, no, I don't have a reason for that. That's exciting. Mm. Interesting. I guess because yeah. yeah. D&D Beyond is people playing TTRPGs, whereas obviously Baldur's Gate is the wider population of people playing digital mm. video games. So it's not just TTRPG players. It's also people mm. that have never played TTRPGs. So. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the final stat we've got is names. Oh. oh. Okay. The most popular name still hasn't changed. In all these years. Oh, I've just seen it, so I won't guess what it is if we're doing that game. Uh, most popular. Do you want to? Do you want to guess? Mm-hmm. Is it Steve? It's not far. It's, very, it's of that genre of name. Ooh, Bob. <laughs> yes. Bob. Correct. <laughs> the most popular name is a Bob. Basically, the most commonly created character on D and D Beyond yeah. is Bob, the human fighter. Nice. <laughs> I'm just um, getting such looks from these two. What? Of course they're called Bob. What would you call your NPCs? Yeah. Bob. Oh, what on this? What on this is it's just people trying out builds, yeah, though, yeah. isn't it? And if you're just going to name it something, Bob, like okay, you know, it's, Bob uh, the builder for your build. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think all of these these characters are played. A lot of people just like making builds, especially making twentieth um, level builds yeah. to plan the advancement and stuff. So a lot of people That's do that. True. And then you just write Bob in because it's easy, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that is the D&D Beyond stats. Because they're de- decline. Well, not, mu- not much change. A decline but... in the name for Bruno. Oh, well, poor Bruno. Because we don't talk about Bruno. About Bruno. <laughs> oh, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've got some um, exciting news for those of you who are fond of SCP. Secure, contain, protect. I am which... not part of that, thankfully, but I know of it. Yes, yes. Um, I mean... It is pretty much some high-grade nightmare fuel to pour mm-hmm. into your brain, but also quite interesting. So, you know, yes. pros and cons. Graham Barber, a.k.a. POC Gamer, a.k.a. Panzerline, mm-hmm. has produced a little rules light game for that. Okay. Uh, so I'm pretty interested. It's like five ninety nine on itch.io. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. The Foundation. And, yeah, uh, you are trying to do SCP operative things to oh, prevent... Gosh. SCP entities from doing terrible, terrible things to people. I would not uh, want that I, job. I, I think it's actually a really good one for a rules-like system because mm-hmm. a lot of the SCP abilities, I'd be like, I don't even know how to begin putting this into a uh, in, 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 into, into a game. They are wildly various, wildly interesting, uh, and generally horrible, um, which is quite cool. Um, I've just read there is no anti-memetics division, like within the past month or so, uh, that's by QNTM, which I will say is Quantum. And that is a brilliant book. Love it to pieces. So I'm um, like looking at this going, huh, what about that? Anyway. Hmm. So just for some context, what is SCP? SCP? Secure, Contain, Protect. It's a big Wikipedia page that is full right. of Argora rules that have never existed. Oh, okay. Kind of yeah. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of the laundry system a bit, in in a sense. I know it's not the same, but oh, they, they, they yeah. find weird esoteric wibbly anomalies in the world monsters and creatures mm. and try and yeah. contain them yeah yeah like uh, mm. i would say the laundry setting rather than the system but yes absolutely. oh yes yeah that's yeah. what i meant not yeah this because the system in this mm-hmm. is breathless system which i've not seen actually do you know what that has piqued my interest i might um i might purchase this live on the show oh it's only five it's drama it's only 5.99 how exciting it is six dollars um but yeah, uh, I quite liked his rules on experience for D and D, so that was quite good. Um, so yeah, um, can definitely recommend it. Right, it's an insane blog as well. 
Okay. Uh, yes. Anyway, that's why. I, I saw that. I thought people would want to know. You get options to play the researcher, field agent, containment specialist, security officer, the tactical operative, and the D-class, which has good luck next to it. I don't know what these things are. Cool. But I'm excited for them. We've got some D&D virtual reality news. Really? So there's a video game company called Resolution Games. They're Ooh. Swedish. And they have announced a deal with Hasbro and Wizard of the Coast. They're going to be creating a virtual reality D&D game. We don't know anything else about it other than the fact that they're doing that. <laughs> there are no details at all. Um, no release date, anything like that. But that is a thing that a Swedish game company is doing, making a virtual reality D&D game. I don't know if you've heard of a game called Demio, D-E-M-E-O, but that is a game that they made, if you're familiar with it. I've never heard of it. I haven't heard of it. But they're like Dungeon Crawl fantasy games, apparently. Cool. Well, I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do. Yeah, Uh, because there are a fair few games on VR but I don't mm. think there's anything like that I would class as Dungeons and Dragons, which is now I say this out loud a bit of a curious concept. There's definitely stuff which is like swords and sorcery, yeah, like Vanishing yeah. Realms, which I absolutely love. That is mm. full on. You're going hand over hand across rope, uh, across ropes to get to the treasure. You hold your torch yeah. in one hand. You're fighting a skeleton with your sword in the other. That's like very peak, like swords and sorcery for, for me. There are some. Quite interesting. Elder Scrolls. Is there an Elder Scrolls VR game as well? Oh yeah, yeah. You've got Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skyrim, that's yeah, what you're about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I definitely don't like Skyrim. Again, that doesn't feel like D and D to me. No, it's not. It does not D and D, but it's yeah. like you say, sword and sorcery type thing. Yeah. Well, this is specifically D and D. So yes, yes. I'm. You'll presumably have beholders and um, other the mind flayers and other things. Uh, uh, D&D specific. Owl bears yeah. and bear owls. Owl bears and bear owls. Oh. Yeah, that sort of thing. Okay. One would expect. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything else about it. There, there are um, um, social media accounts for uh, for them, so you can go and sort of like keep an eye on those and see if any more information is forthcoming. But at the moment, that's basically all we know. There is one coming at some point. Mm. Okay. But like VR for me, it's kind of it's still too much hassle. Yeah, yeah. It's too still too fiddly. Mm. It's not quite at the ease of use level yet mm. but it's, it's getting better than it was i remember like five years ago and now it's much better yeah i mean like if google had managed to uh make google glasses which didn't make everyone extremely angry and annoyed about their privacy being constantly violated mm-hmm. then we'd probably just be able to play them mm-hmm. with like a hook into whatever model well, also, also the tech wasn't wasn't ready yeah. then either was it i mean it's much closer to being now but, yeah um yeah, I mean, it's got to get to the point where it's you just put on a pair of glasses and you're there, rather than having to plug things in and boot, log into things. And yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm told you put headsets on and charge them. And I'm told there's smart Ray Bands which will do projections. Yeah, I've got a pair. Right, I've got right. a pair. Yeah. Oh, um, very, I found them very gimmicky. Yes. It's like I, for a couple of days, I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This is great." I'm logging around, taking pictures of stuff, and uploading it to Facebook and all this mm. sort of stuff. And then after a couple of days, I realised I haven't done it in like ages, yeah. and the gimmick has worn off. <laughs> so, okay, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they work. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. Good. Anyway, that's that's that. Anyway, that's uh, a D and D VR news mm-hmm. for those interested in such things. Right. There's other D and D news. Other bits of D and D news. Tell us, Mike Mills. Oh yeah, yeah. recently so fired. Mike Mills, 
Mike Moles was uh, one of the senior D&D game designers. Yeah. Got moved over to Magic the Gathering like two or three years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot ago. I can't remember when. I can't remember when. And recently got laid off and has now basically hasn't been seen on Twitter since. Mm. Um, partly because there was a um, controversy I don't really want to get into, no. um, like four years ago. Well, and um, based off ten, yeah. ten years ago with the found with the original Dungeons and Dragons as well. But yeah, um, but it resurfaced. It's uh, creating his own D and D stuff on a Patreon. Um, popped up on Ian World to, to mm. talk about um, oh. redesigning um, challenge rating and encounter design for D and D. Basically, saying that I think it was kind of like it was kind of a holdover from earlier editions, and it was like really kind of it was good enough at the time, but it isn't really great. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and um, and and uh, apparently the word the word you know it uh, at, at Wizards the, the idea of completely redesigning the whole concept of it did arise in the days of five um, E, but they decided against it because it was too much of a departure from previous editions. Um, but he's uh, he's uh, he's kind of designed his own, which he stuck on GitHub, his own version, mm-hmm. his own sort of encounter building CR type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started a Patreon for other design work, and he's promised various bits and pieces, including um, psionics rules and things like that, is going to be there. I haven't actually signed up for it, so I haven't seen the stuff on there, but I know people have. That is certainly an ambitious set of tasks to take on. But, yeah, mm-hmm. here's a senior designer with lots of experience, so maybe it will be within his capabilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess, you know, once you're no longer working at Wizards, you've got... Um, got free time on your hands. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he says that like anything that he worked on while at Wizards belongs to them, mm. so he can't do any, even stuff that he worked on himself. Oh, of course, their yeah. contractor yeah. said it belongs to them, mm. so he can't he can't release anything that he's worked on previously. Yeah, yeah. even if he didn't make the light of day into a into a book or anything. Yeah. Um, but he can do new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, psionics is extremely conceptually challenging to make work well inside uh, the D&D framework as it currently stands. Now we're doing it in Void Runners Codex. Fingers crossed. Mm. People will like it. Yes. Fingers crossed. We shall see. Yes. I haven't gotten to editing that chapter yet. I'm dreading it. <laughs> we'll yeah, get there. eventually. <laughs> I'm currently working on the classes. Mm. Exciting. I finished, I finished editing the heritages and handed them off to layout. Amazing. Last week. Good job. And I'm now on the classes, mm-hmm. which is harder than heritages. Oh, his classes are much bigger than everything. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, there's fewer. There's less of them as well. There's only five of them, no. rather than the thirteen heritages we got, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, um, yeah. So Mike Wells has researched it. Other D and D stuff. Wizkids has announced some fiftieth anniversary Icons of the Realms miniatures. Oh, nice. Um, so we've got a big drider. We've got some mm. drow. We've got um, we've got a, a, a dragon. Obviously, we've got a dragon. Why wouldn't we have a dragon? A red dragon. Makes sense. Oh, another red dragon. Huh. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a red dragon wormling. Oh, okay. And it says it's on a one-to-one scale. So... How big is a wormling? It's the size of a horse? It's two and a half feet tall. That, that's not... Depends on how big you think a wormling is, I guess. The wormlings are size large, so that is much bigger than a big dog and is definitely horse-sized. Hmm. Um, no. So I disagree. Like, okay. 
one to ten, maybe twenty feet. Would that, it would looks that be cute. More huge? That's good. Mm. It's sitting like a good well, boy six, waiting for a treat. That's what that sit is. It's six hundred and fifty dollars. Oh. It's not cheap. I, I will not be buying that. Yeah. <laughs> not cheap at all. But yeah. Um, yeah. Um, other than that, there's um, there's fifty miniatures in this set in total. Mm-hmm. Um, in both their original first edition incarnations and their current fifth edition incarnations, so you get mm. versions of them. Mm. Is is what to compare, which is interesting. <laughs> so one half looks like you melted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> wow. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure they're absolutely lovely to look at. Um, that's yeah. I mean, I, 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 well, I can't look at that. There's going to so, be no mind. a lot of stuff coming out this year yeah. that. For, for the 50th anniversary, isn't there? There's going to be tons and tons of it. Yeah. As well as the core rule books. So I think this is going to be, like, every week we'll probably be reporting on something. Yeah. I imagine, going forward. Yeah. A, a chance more you could whack a, pic, a copy of the picture into the chat. Do it, what, sorry? Of, of the a, dragon. A copy of the picture. Yes, because it's yeah. behind the, log, link to it, the article. It's a draft yeah. in the news digest, so... Oh, okay, there oh. we go. Yes, it is. Sorry, yeah. Oh, okay. That's linked there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, these are lovely. Do they come coloured, do we think? Pre-painted. Oh, goodness. We love a pre-painted mm. miniature on the show. I love pre-painted miniatures. They should all be pre-painted. They wow. are randomly assorted, so does that mean you get a bag and it's just Lucky Dip? Yeah, they're booster packs. Uh, uh, I mean, these are very high quality in terms of the paintwork. This is... Oh, yeah, they're very nice, yeah. Like $25, $30? That is extremely cheap. How much do you get in each one? One large miniature and three medium or small. Okay. So four. Yeah. Four, but one of them is large, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I mean, like, at, what's that, at 20, $25, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you're looking at, like, about $6 per mini, and these, the quality of the paintwork on this is not low, that is. Yeah, I just, I don't like the Lucky Dip, like, see what you get pack thing, because if I want yeah. a particular miniature, I want a particular miniature. Like... Mm. Absolutely. I don't know, but maybe that's because I'm not into collecting them. So I know some people just have a load and they're like, do you know what? I just have a yeah. big collection and I know I'll Random use some... Random things is big, is big money, though. It's... But more just people that have a whole range of stuff. And they're like, at some point, I'll use some of them because I just use miniatures yeah. in my games a lot. But because well, I don't... It's collectible card games as well. It's the same mm-hmm. same oh, yeah. theory, isn't it? It's all booster packs, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah, those yeah. days of Magic the Gathering. Do you know that Planescape is now part of the Forgotten Realms? What? I did hear that. Planescape is now part of the Forgotten Realms. So it has been integrated into the Forgotten Realms via the Dungeons and Dragons Adventurers League. Okay. You look you look shocked. I, 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 yes, basically. Okay. All right. Uh, tell me more about this because I'm sort of interested in the same way that I find it interesting when... An algorithm on social media says, hey, look at this truck that's parked across this uh, railway line. Ooh, look, the uh, barriers are coming down. We wonder what happens next. Um, so please tell on. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't know much about Adventures League. I've got to be I, I've been out of it honest, for, so. oh, goodness, about five years now at this point. Yeah. But yeah, all right. Mm. Tell me more. Yeah. So basically, they've incorporated a Planescape campaign yes. into the Adventurers League Forgotten Realms campaign. Right. Because um, I know they had Eberron as a campaign, but that was like a separate, it's off to the side, mm. you can't have the same characters. So this is actual yeah. mainline. All right. Okay. Mm. 
I mean, I, 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 I look at this and I don't necessarily understand. I could read it out to you and you probably understand what it meant. But it's quite I, long, I, but I don't really no, necessarily fine. understand what it means. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, um, like, characters can create characters, players can create characters, yes. specifically for the Planescape campaign, right. to participate in the Turn of Fortune's Wheel adventure. Yeah. But they can also choose to use existing Forgotten Realms characters for that storyline. That's quite big, yeah. Um, and then beyond Turn of the Fortunes Wheel, and that was the Planescape Adventure, mm. wasn't it, that came out? Yeah. Um, they had the option to engage Planescape characters in other Forgotten Realms adventures. So you can play yeah. Turn of the Fortunes Wheel with Planescape characters, and then you can carry on playing them in Forgotten Realms adventures. I, I mean, that is very much full integration you're describing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wow. Um, DMs are permitted to run Planescape Dungeon Craft adventures alongside the Turn of Fortunes Wheel sessions. Hmm. I don't know what that means. Well, Dungeon Crafts, I guess, is somebody else who writes them? I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, okay. that's, uh... But yeah, I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I mean, Planescape <laughs> yeah. and Forgotten Realms are now canonically connected as per Wizards. Mm. So, okay. I, I, I don't know enough about it to have an opinion about it because I've not done Adventures League. Do you, do you have an opinion you'd like to share on it, Peter, as probably the person that understands it the best here? Um, like, in terms of it being Adventures League, it's not hugely that relevant to most people's oh, okay. lives because right. adventurers league as you know is sort of a, an organized play activity mm-hmm. yeah i imagine but i mean it is it is official stuff so mm-hmm. um i'll be interested to see what makes it into the hardbacks i mean they're definitely leaning mm-hmm. to this multiverse concept quite hard oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um, yeah. but yeah well isn't everybody <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Goodness. I was kind of getting the impression that multiverses are starting to become less popular now people are getting pretty tired of them uh, I mean, has a device to lower the dramatic stakes. Uh, they're excellent, but I, yeah. Well, yeah, because but doesn't because it doesn't matter what happens because yeah. in in a parallel universe it didn't happen. And so like, it doesn't matter if a character dies because Tony Stark's alive just over there. You yeah. know, that sort of thing. Yeah, basically. Um, it's just yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Um, but yeah. Oh well, thank you for sharing that. Um. Like, I, I don't particularly have strong views on Planescape. Um, but, yeah, I sort of assumed that... Si- sorry, Sigil? That's how you say it, was connected... Sigil, yeah, yes. Yeah, was connected to... Yeah. Like, I thought it was Sigeli, but that's anyway. fine. Sorry? I thought Gilly. it was Sigeli. Uh, I thought it was Sigil, but apparently I'm pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> I was being yes. facetious. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different uh, word, but think? not the same as Sigil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that place... Yeah. As language is wont to do, mm-hmm. yeah. differently, yeah, pronounced differently, <laughs> pronunciated in a differentiated manner. Indeed, anyway, we should move on. Yes, yeah. What else we got going on? Um, I think we're coming to the end of the news, oh. actually. Um, unless either of you got some more news? Oh, um, no, I don't have any more news actually. Well, uh, I'm almost finished. Like literally, like just dotting eyes, crossing t's, trying to fit. 60, 65 pages into a 64 page space for my uh, latest book um, but yeah it's uh, it's working so that's quite good that will be out soon uh, that was the Elysians and now that I've got my next book planned which will provisional Ooh. title of Banners Bullets and Bravery which will be oh, what? Bla- Banners Bullets Blitz and Bravery, and bravery. Yes. Cool, that's a tongue twister Banners Bullets and Banners, Blitz and Bra- oh, okay. my. oh Trying to say it three times it's really fast. Banners, Blitz, 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't tempt me, Jessica. Don't tempt me. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love <laughs> that. That would be a different book. But I'll yeah. do a voiceover <laughs> like, promoting it for you if you want. Do my best Dorothy voice. 
My trans would let. Oh, I can't do it now, but I'll, st- I'll work my transatlantic <laughs> accent when I'm not hungover. Well, I do declare that. <laughs> yeah, I can do yeah. one of those. I just need to get into the the moment of it. It's just things like you know how uh, banners and bravery being like a, a sort of like a morale mm. system because yeah. I'm also a bit annoyed about monsters fighting to the death when it's like, well, they shouldn't run away straight away, but maybe they should yeah. think about at it. At some point, your self preservation instinct kicks in. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you, 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 you can mess around with it. But yeah, and also, the, I mm-hmm. guess it's really going to be quite a bit of that. Uh, throw some archetypes in, potentially, depending upon that sort of thing. And also quite a few monsters, because I think Kobold's Revolver sounds like the best idea. Oh, yeah, they would definitely have some. Yeah. Kobold's Revolvers are running down the stairs. Kobold's. Or sawn-off shotguns and things like that, mm. like, very much. Ooh. I think they very much, like, <laughs> tinkered with them so that they're really good, but may explode in their hands. But, yeah. It's really interesting when Voidrunner's Codex comes out and we had them running around with laser guns as well. It could be fun. Yeah. But that, that doesn't sound like my problem. That sounds... <laughs> <laughs> well, it could that be if you like... find yourself in a game. <laughs> it doesn't sound like anybody's problem. It's not a problem at all. It's a wonderful opportunity, is what it is. It's a player-facing problem, as I'd like to describe it. <laughs> Whereas I, I, I'm, I'm here yeah, to help support narrators. Yeah, but you could be the kobold with the laser gun, though. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm entirely yeah. okay with that. That's what I say to anyway, myself. Anyway, you know, every week you could be the kobold. Okay. So news, news is done. Yes, news is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to this little gathering. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> well, when I saw the advertisement, I made my way here as fast as I could. Yes, adventurer wanted. It came at just the right time. Good, good. Now then, before I tell you about the quest... Oh, I do love a good quest. I'm hoping for a deep, dark dungeon. Or an old, haunted castle. Right, right. But before that, shall we do some introductions? Get to know each other a bit. I suppose that makes sense. If we're going to be boon companions, trusting each other with our very lives, sharing the hardships and glories of a life of adventure. Yes, let's share our deepest personal secrets and our bitterest regrets. Um, no, no, maybe a bit too far. Mm, yes, let's just stick to names and a quick summary of our skill sets for now. Shall I start? Oh, very well, brave fighter, you begin. How did you know I was a fighter? Chainmail, sword, shield, d10 hit dice. It's pretty obvious. Oh, yes, of course. Well then, my name is Joriel, and I am, as you have correctly surmised, a fighter. I've been adventuring for over a decade and undertaken nearly a dozen quests. I specialise in monster slang and have six bear owl kills to my name. Most impressive. A worthy ally. Um, so I'm Caelan, and uh, I'm, well, uh, 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 an opportunist and uh, 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 a careful infiltrator. You are a rogue. Um, um, yes, I, I suppose I am. Um, I prefer the word scoundrel. Um, has a bit more of a romantic flair to it. Rogue, scoundrel. Let's call a spade a spade. You're a thief, basically. Well, I never. How dare you? You are kidding right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got me. I'm a thief, and a darn good one at that. I hold the official Mages, Monsters and Milestones record for the most safes cracked in a 24-hour period. Oh, which is how many? Uh, three. Not quite as impressive as the title led me to believe. Uh, cracking safes is hard, I'll have you know. Anyway, I also retrieved the lesser gem of affirmation, the token of achievable goals, and the leg of Vecna. 
A most excellent resume. I see this quest will be in good hands. And finally, what about you, my friend? I must admit, I have had trouble guessing at your role. You show no clues. I am intrigued. Very well, my new companions. I am honoured to be in your company. A sturdy fighter and a cunning rogue. That scoundrel. Verily. And as for myself, I, dear fellows, am... Yes? A Dalek. Uh, sorry, what? I am a Dalek. <laughs> My apologies. I uh, must be hearing things. For a moment I thought you said you were a Dalek. That is correct. I am a Dalek. But, but you can't be a Dalek. Why can I not be a Dalek? Well, you don't look like a Dalek. Rude. And you don't sound like a Dalek. You haven't used the word exterminate once. I have a cold. But 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 you don't act like a Dalek. Act like a Dalek. What do you mean? How does a Dalek act? Well, how many people have you exterminated so far today? Well, none as of yet, but it is only lunchtime. It's three in the afternoon. I am a late sleeper. Look, Daleks are deadly tyrannical mutants housed in mechanical casings, bent on the destruction of all life in the universe. Yeah, yeah, they're ruthless, emotionless and relentless in their quest for dominance. Right, yes, that is I. But, but... But what? No offence, I kind of thought you were like a baker or something. A baker? Well, you're not especially, you know... I am not especially what? Dalek-y. Yes, yes, you're you're not especially Dalek-y. I never claimed I was the Dalekiest Dalek who ever, um, uh... Dalek? Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But nevertheless, I am a Dalek. Fine, fine. You are a Dalek. So, what brings a living embodiment of terror with an insatiable thirst for annihilation to a little quest like this? I fancied a change. A change from... Well, from exterminating, really. A Dalek who wants a change from exterminating. Well, yes, it's getting a little old. Every day it's, what shall we do today? And somebody says, let's go and exterminate some people. And we all go, yes, what a great idea. And off we go. Well, I mean, it is what they, uh, I mean, you, uh, uh, are known for. It is kind of a catchphrase. Exactly. It's all, exterminate this, and exterminate that. So I thought I would try something a little different. You're joking, right? <laughs> yes, of course I am. Exterminate! <laughs> Just wait until I tell the others about this. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget, patreon.com slash morris. Can I go now? So, this week's Top of the Week, I had an idea, inspired by me listening to the Barbie movie soundtrack a lot. Um, which is, I was thinking about the Barbie movie, as I do most days, that is my Roman Empire. 
when you're not speaking about Baldur's Gate 3, of yes. course. Um, and and I was thinking if we were if a person, if one, were to make a TTRPG of the Barbie movie and try and tell like that sort of mm-hmm. story in that world, what rule system would you use for that? And I have not got an idea for that. So I wanted to bring it to the table and thought we could talk about different ideas for stories that we have or ones that exist or don't exist yet, and rule systems that will go well with that. Because I think it's interesting to talk about the difference between rule systems and story, you know, RPGs and and the roles that they play. Well, I have a question and an answer. Okay, take it away. So the question is, have you ever considered a big old Barbie, Baldur's Gate 3, mix-up? Barbie's Gate 3. Like, what do you mean? Like, what's... A big mash of the two. Barbie in Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, yeah. I pretty, one of my characters is very, pretty much like a Barbie character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the... Uh, the, the I've was... also made a bard called Taylor Swift. So. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And a and, and, uh, uh, system for Barbie, I would go with Dread, the classic Jenga-based Dread? horror game. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the most opposite to Barbie I can think of. <laughs> Interesting. No, I know. I don't know what I'm going. You have to go with something light, obviously. I think I'm thinking rules light, narrative driven. I'm almost. Oh, this sounds like um. This sounds really bad because I'm going to say one of my own games. Awfully cheerful sounds really appropriate for it. Awfully cheerful engine. The awfully cheerful engine, just light and silly. If you wanted, it to be, yeah. Well, I was thinking I wanted to ha- players to have the opportunity to have an existential crisis. Right. You know okay. that was also. I don't know, Peter. Do you probably not? Do you have then. any thoughts? Probably not. I don't think existential crises yeah. exist in um, Uh Well, so there's a chap called Grigor Hutton who has done three sixteen Carnage Amongst the Stars, but I believe they also did the Best Friends role playing game. Okay, tell me more. Now, I don't know if this would properly capture the spirit of the movie per se, mm-hmm. because Best Friends is more about a group of women who are all best friends, but they all secretly hate each other. That's not very Barbie. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, but to be fair, I played it in a Scooby-Doo hack, and due to a slight misunderstanding of the rules, we all really supported each other. That's I'm nice. not quite sure how that came, but it was like such a really lovely, positive experience. Yeah. So, like, you know, hmm. if you, like, it, it was just, I've only played it once at a convention, but it was like just a really random chance. I was like, mm, I don't know. Not sure I like the theme, but yeah, why not? Best friends. And then we were all mm. best friends, and I had a really lovely time. So I think that could be quite a good way to get the at least the start aspects of uh, the movie, and maybe with the mal peril, the rest of it. I'm surprised there isn't one. A Barbie, a, a Barbie G- RPG. G- yeah. Have we, have we um, searched I guess first? It, that feels like... A... Um, I've, I just did a Google search. No, there isn't. Oh, okay. There's lots of people discussing what would I use for Barbie and things yeah. like that. But no, well, I think because actual... it's such a big branded license thing. So that's Mattel. It's Mattel. It? Is yes, that correct? you are correct. Yeah, Mattel. And so Hasbro's rival. So because my I, initially I immediately thought, well, why hasn't Hasbro done it through one of their licenses like Renegade Nest? It's not Hasbro, is it? It's Mattel. Also, I don't. I don't... Mattel, do they have any RPGs? Is it just what? not a thing that do they Transformers are aware of? RPGs. No, Mattel. Mattel. Transformers are Hasbro. Uh, who does Mattel do? Um, Barbie. Oh, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, mean, currently there is Perils and Princesses, which is. Mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, the system you could use. I have yeah, on, uh, heard of it. I have them on yeah. not D and D. If people would care to learn more, listen to mm. that. Um, yeah, but yeah, that what is you, more that? Disney Her princesses. Pr- yeah, like, and that's very inspired by like Disney princesses, like then like that genre of things. Then I guess I guess you could, but um, I was wondering, and only because I'm running ten candles this weekend. <laughs> I was wondering if you play it in a ten candle style way, where like the candles are like a veil between the real world and Barbie Land. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I haven't fully developed it. But anyway, I thought that was just interesting for system. I don't know if you another game that I think would be a really good um, is. Do you know this War of Mine? I'll reference. Where's the not game? played it, but um, yes, I've heard of it. But yes. uh, again, so. Not- so familiar. people aren't familiar. So it is a uh, it's it's a fictional setting. So it's not in a real world, but it's what, basically it's it's or... not it's in a it's in a fictional oh, okay. uh, country, but it's got references that you would know. But um, it's basically yeah. um, you are civilians in uh, living in a war zone. So um, like like you know many parts of the world people are currently. Um, but yeah, so and you are just a civilian trying to survive, not be bombed and just have enough yes, food and yeah. just just get by living in this war zone um so it's yeah. a very sad game and the board game it was originally a digital game which is very fun it's, fun's the wrong word but you know what i mean like i enjoy playing it uh i hyper fixated on that game uh, last year a bit um and there's also a board game of it which i really love and the board game is very story driven because when you explore things in the world it's kind of has this environmental storytelling element and also the characters you play have different character arcs and things that they go through and also depending what happens in the game they get different endings in the board game as well different things happen to them as a result of what's happened in your game and also they have different mechanical effects that are based upon their personality and things so i thought this is feels like a storytelling thing Uh, and i was trying to think of systems that would support that game and that it's quite obviously like it's a very narrative quite heavy subject quite dark tone sort of thing very different from barbie but those are two of my interests the spectrum um (laughs) and yeah i was thinking about what could be like that and one thing i remember i know there is a ttrpg about child soldiers Hmm. based on the wars um warsaw uprising i don't know if that would be like a good system for it i was looking at i was was thinking why there isn't one Grey Ranks is the TTRPG I'm thinking of. But anyway. Okay. I was thinking about, thinking about why there isn't one. So I looked at what um, Mattel also does. Oh, we're going back to Barbie, okay. <laughs> and they do Masters of the Universe. That's that. Oh, the He-Man and RPG. Masters of the Universe, yeah, you or, would assume would be a no-brainer. Or the She-Ra. Oh. But there isn't one. Really? So I'm guessing Mattel just isn't really like RPGs just aren't on their radar is why there's no Barbie Should we approach one. them? I bet, I bet if it was if Barbie was a Hasbro thing I bet there'd be one. Mm. And My Little Pony is Hasbro as well. Oh um, yeah there you go there's a My Little Pony like, RPG yeah. Pony Finder the official princesses of Equestria whatever mm-hmm. it's called. Tales uh, of Equestria. Oh, Tales of Equestria that's it not princesses and of course Don't Rest Your Hooves which is a mm. horror version hack. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what? I know. I just. I every time I hear more about it, I'm happy. You're compelled. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Not. I not really. Yeah. Oh wow. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there's big scope there. All of Mattel stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's got other stuff that I don't really know that well. They got Barbie, Hot Wheels, <laughs> Fisher Price, American Girl, Thomas and Friends, as in Thomas the Tank Engine. I think no. so. What's Thomas and Friends? No. 
Uh, Thomas Carl and Friends is right. Thomas and Friends. I mean, maybe. Uno. Classic card game. Master of the Universe. Monster High. That sounds like something that would be... I don't know what that is, but it sounds like something that would be RPG. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that Fodder. I, I, I think you could probably do some maybe Visigoths and Morgoths. But yeah, Thomas and Friends is Thomas the Tank Engine. They own that. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, and Mega. Um, whatever that is. Um, so, yeah. It's just not on their radar, I guess. So we have to think of a Barbie tabletop RPG and approach them and be like, please, can we yeah. make this? Okay. So <laughs> you, want, you want to approach a massive what mega corp? simply six? <laughs> Stop that massively different sort it's of awfully scope to uh, awfully cheerful. It's less, it's less cheerful, I suppose, yeah, but I, it's, about, it's about equally simple. I, I will say, I've just looked at mega. It's basically not Lego. Um, <laughs> it's a bit, bit, okay. bit, bit kid-friendly Lego. Building sort of thing. Mm. Lego that's harder for your child to swallow is is probably that the best be a, selling line. A black, big brand asset. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, harder for your dog to swallow would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I met your dog for us. <laughs> I so uh, anything that's not bigger than their heads, I wouldn't like to put on that list. Django started eating soil I mean, recently. They, they certainly make their way through things bigger than their heads as well. It just takes them longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so that would be harder. Yes, so mm. that would be Mattel and the Barbie movie. Yes. Segue yeah, yeah, us yeah. back into this war of mine. Different vibes. Mm-hmm. I know there is the Grey Ranks RPG, which is you play child soldiers during the Warsaw Uprising. So the setting feels similar, like in terms of you know yeah. civilians in in wartime. But mm-hmm. I've played it, and it uses like a grid system that meant to indicate the character's mental and emotional health and well-being mm-hmm. um, but the way it moved mm-hmm. around didn't feel organic to the storytelling I kind of felt like the grid things happened the grid moved and it's like oh your character's now in this place and it didn't always make sense mm-hmm. narratively for that to be the case so mm-hmm. I was thinking you know this system on the surface seems like it would do well for uh, this war of mine system but I, d- I don't know if I'd be Leaning into that, I didn't know if you had any other systems you thought or real systems that would suit that sort of story. Pretty grim. It um, is, but I do like that sort of thing. Yeah, grim, grim. What are the, what are the grimmest systems out there then? Um, hmm. Well, well, Grey Ranks God. is about child it's not soldiers. Really, it's not really a type so. of game that I tend to <laughs> yeah. investigate. Um, uh, I'm not very good at ridding horror. Uh, I've tried with Call of Cthulhu. Well, it's not but... really horror, because it's... What about yeah. that plain sailing game stuff, like A Call and Lonely Courage and things like that? Mm. I'm not yeah. super familiar with the system, yeah. but would they be suitable? Because you've interviewed uh, Alex, have, yeah. Yeah. Alex mm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so would they be appropriate? Do you mm, think? Maybe. I'm just wondering if I'm... That is quite true, because it is about courage and sacrifice and things... That mm. could be a good uh, thing, actually. Mm. It's done with playing cards and things, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, I just think I just think it's interesting the relationship between system and stories because the way the rule system you use does impact the stories you tell around a table. So yeah, yeah. like like um, especially with a lot of story games or genre emulators, mm-hmm. your mm. um, like you you're, you're aiming to tell a specific sort of story. Yeah. And because that is very, um, like, it, you, you have the scope for what you're trying to do. Because for me, RPGs are about evoking emotional experiences. Yes. So if you want, if you've got a particular trope, set of tropes and a particular set of emotional experiences you want to evoke, then designing for those is the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. 
So I I don't really know because mm. um I don't particularly enjoy having sort of the story set in stone. Mm. Um like I guess cuz I I feel almost would be looking for something that would give you the feel of a tragedy which is where like you know you know it's going to end badly which is not an invalid thing to happen but I don't know it's like a those are very hard to do yeah. like um especially because they they require you to almost um like eject modern sentiments mm. um like cuz your very best tragedies are basically it's the difference between someone's strongly held beliefs and reality. Uh, so if someone very strongly believes in honour, then they will do their best to keep their honour, even if it would be expedient for them not to do so. Or like, you know, so it's like, you know, that's like your classic tragedy. It's like people strongly hold beliefs, despite, you know, what they would like to do in reality. That's where you sort of derive the tragic elements from. Um, so if you're trying to, but that's very hard to do in a modern setting, except maybe potentially with say hubris, like an unjustified pride in yourself and in your own abilities. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, so I can describe it, but I cannot think of anything that would fit the bill to let us recreate this sort of, this feeling. Why in Um, this, in this war of mine, you have that thing that you're saying, like if hmm. you got, you get people today who's honor and doing the right thing is important yeah. to them and sometimes yeah. when you're in a very desperate situation trying to survive you have to make calls that are really difficult it's yeah. like we have no food back at the house i found i know the, the house down the road has some food and they won't share it with us do i go in and just steal it and take yeah. it by force yeah, yeah. like a moral dilemma yeah like yeah. what so yeah so the game mm. is kind of full of those so i think you can have those sort of um tragedy or, moments or, in or, it yeah or to put it another way say you found mm-hmm. some food and there's enough for you. Yeah. You could take it back and share it, but then there's not enough for six people. Yeah. Or you could eat it yourself, and then you're fed. And if you give it to everyone else, then exactly. it's not going to make a difference. So yeah. I think there's some interesting character moments in, in stories like that. And it's, um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I was always curious about like the systems and what we do to, to support that style of storytelling. Because I know mm. when I want to run in and be a hero when I'm playing D&D, that style of story, mm. D&D is yeah, yeah. great for that. Like, I'm playing a fighter, yeah. I'm going to run in, I'm going to fight off these yeah. these foul beasts and save this person, and I am I feel mm. great. And it, and the system yeah. really supports me feeling that way and telling that style of story. But yeah. I, I mean, to a certain extent, yes. Uh, there is some truth that i think where it has more attraction is the swinginess is almost a feature not a bug mm-hmm. so that's yeah. why a lot of people are super keen on like nat 20s and being amazing and unbelievable and that one's being it awful. makes the stakes real um i don't know if i quite understand your point there because no? it's more the well what i mean is the parody it could all go wrong you're not you of know. the situation is fun Mm-hmm. Like you know, there's a there's a real chance of having it go all Monty Python on you because you're trying to do a thing and it's just descends into farce because something you should be good <laughs> at doesn't work and people find that funny and entertaining and that's a positive emotion so mm-hmm. they enjoy it and there's a chance where you wouldn't be able to do a thing but you roll a nat twenty and you can do a thing and that's like a moment of mm-hmm. elation and excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of emotional experience there is a fairly good chance you'll get like humor or tragedy or like excitement 
on a reliable basis because a one is a chance to be buffoon and funny and that's good fun and a 20 is a chance for oh well cool amazing superhero moment so in terms of a positive emotion generator Mm -hmm. yes like five is very good for that because Mm -hmm. it is so because it is so swingy Mm -hmm. like i don't honestly think to be fair that was designed um in fact a lot of it was sort of designed out Mm. so ones don't automatically fail skill checks but people house rule them to do do it because of the positive emotions that they derive from the humor of someone like you know just putting their foot in the bucket and falling down some stairs when they're trying to do a stealth roll Mm. well bounded accuracy reduces swinginess yeah yeah from previous editions definitely Mm -hmm. So it's probably the, the least swingy yeah. edition. And, and all the house rules are putting it back in. <laughs> mm. They're like, no, no, we want it more swingy. Put it back, put it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there's other ways to look at the question. Mm. So you, you can go, what properties are there that you think should have an, a, a, a TTRPG and what what would you what system would yeah. you use? You also yeah. look at it from what systems, what games are there that, other than D&D, yeah. Have been matched perfectly with their with the system. Mm. They're, they're really, really good examples of the perfect system for that genre. And that I have played. I I think mm. Mothership does a really good job of that, uh, and mm. actually the Alien RPG as well mm. yeah. for building that type of tense horror where you're slowly like, and it slowly escalates where you're like, oh my gosh, that feeling mm. that you get when you watch the Alien films, I feel you do get in the mm. Alien RPG and also in Mothership. Yeah. So those mm. sci-fi horror, tense, slow build horrors. Dread. Dread. Perfect system for, for the Building de- anxiety, for the yeah, for the dexterity. If, if you play Dread properly, it's much more effective. Because I played Dread where we're just using the Jenga and it's not that good. Mm-hmm. But one of the key things about it that makes it extremely clever is you have to answer questions in character to build up your character sheet. Yes, I love yeah. that. And that yeah. process of thinking, I am my character, how do I answer this question, increases your investment, increases your immersion, mm-hmm. and therefore you start the game with like you know, skin in the game, as it were, which yeah. is very mm-hmm. hard to do in a one-off. Very hard to do. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, um, but I, I've got a lot yeah. of time for that. That's very clever. Like it. It's interesting that the three examples we just came up with off the top of it are horror stuff, though. Mm. When we when we when you think systems match a genre, we immediately rattle off horror stuff and not a different genre. That's true. Uh, is there a reason for that? Well, because my genres, I mean, because the things I'm interested in, I'm sort of interested in like action adventure, maybe spooky action adventure and horror. These are these are things mm. that I'm like. I would like to relate you know, to, yeah. yeah okay. or, or maybe an investigation game, but I. Mm. I tend to be more interested in playing those rather than running them because yeah. it's more work. So I'm very lazy. I, um, for mm. me, why I went for horror first is I think because running a horror game is it can be quite different, difficult to do because you need to set that tone right. And mm-hmm. if you have a good system that supports you with that tone, you notice it because you're like, oh, thank goodness, this is <laughs> this is all going in the right direction because of this. Yeah. So when I'm running a horror game and I'm using a system that makes me feel supported as a GM. It's really great. And I know, Peter, you talked a lot about systems that make you feel supported as a GM and how important yeah. that is in other things. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, that's part of it. Um, Do you think there's an element maybe that with horror is kind of specific enough that when you're running a horror game, you kind of have to get that right, otherwise the game won't work. Yeah. Whereas if you're running, say, D&D, D&D is broad enough mm. that even if the tone you're going for, for some reason you miss and you don't get it, 
adjacent tones are fine as well because they also work in D&D. Yeah. So what you'll end up with is not necessarily the game you were planning on, but it's still a game that works. Whereas in a horror game, maybe not so much. Is that a thing, do you think? I think so, but I know there are some GMs uh, that do get annoyed when the table gets really silly and it becomes a Monty yeah, Python, yeah. another Monty mm. Python thing. Mm. But yeah, Peter, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think really we're looking at almost uh, a tripod because system mm-hmm. is important Mm -hmm. to an extent the skill of your individual games master is important to a certain extent and the skill of your players Mm -hmm. and their investment in it if you don't have all three legs of the tripod there it's almost like uh was it the table of theodicy and um Mm. god falls off the top uh sorry to to explain maybe the more familiar metaphor it's like a good gm can probably do a lot of work to carry a system Mm -hmm. and like the core mechanic of D&D is pretty basic and really widely applicable. So mm-hmm. you can use that for a lot of stuff and people are happy with it, mm-hmm. which means that they feel skilled and they feel confident about investing. So that helps. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the, the system is adequate. Mm-hmm. It's not good. It doesn't support you. You're dragging around a lot of rules that you're probably not going to be using, but it's adequate mm-hmm. and yeah. you can make it work. For a broad range of things, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. like it, 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 will, it will work. It's not the best, it's not the most supportive, but it will work. And that's why people use it so much. Yeah, it's McDonald's. It's like popular. It's it is fine. Um it's not it's not a gourmet meal, but it's also not, you know, trash out of the bin. It's yeah. fine. You know Sometimes um, that's what you want. Yeah. I can't yeah, want yeah. a McDonald's right now. Okay. I wouldn't mind a McDonald's yeah, as well. Hmm. You made me think yeah. about McDonald's. Yeah, I have to agree. Well, I made myself. I said it, didn't I? It's my fault, not yours. <laughs> you, you, you did, in fact, bring McDonald's metaphor into it. Yeah, so it's a big corporation. Yeah. Um, so I guess yeah. that's that sort of the relevance of it. But yeah, so... But I think the things that people forget are that if you don't have a great GM... like Because not all GMs are great. Yeah. Not all GM, not all great GMs are great all the time. Some of us are learning. You, yeah. Exactly. Some some people are, learning. and not all GMs are suited to their group as well. That's, a, that's another thing that um, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, well that, that's why this table has three. That's, that's right. why this stool has three legs, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because you've got to have the right group. So, yeah. like, um, yeah, um, yeah. So, but a good system can help support the GM and the group by giving you the mechanics and giving you something to refer to, mm-hmm. um, so you don't have to invent it out of whole, whole cloth and just use your personality and your individual storytelling skills. So sometimes you want the system to get out of the way, and sometimes it's good to have it to lean on, and that's going to depend upon your individual comfort with the sort of story you're telling, with your player's comfort with the sort of story you're telling, and like the whole chemistry between the two. So, yeah. Um, like I, I feel like there's just these endless debates about, oh, but what's the, is it the system or is it the GM? And it's like, well... Yes, it's both. It's both. And you also both, have yeah. to consider the players as part of this interaction. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm sorry to rant on about it. I just get impatient with seeing the same debates yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Well, let's not have it then. Because, yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. so, coming back to systems suited for genres. That, that piece, that one thing I've, <laughs> one, yeah. One, one thing I've mentioned a few times is um, I like, for a Star Trek game, I like a percentile system because I feel it feels mm-hmm. right. I mean, and it's very weird because it literally is like you could do the same thing with a D20 and just fight, you know, five step, five percent percentiles. But using an actual percentile dice for it just feels more Star Trek y in an intangible way to me than a D20 does. And I can't necessarily put my finger on Mm. why, but 
it just I don't know. It just does. There, there are two things that spring to mind, okay? And mm. one of these is just something somebody pointed out the other day, and I'm slapping my head going, oh my god, of course, I didn't even think about that before. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, the first the first part is, yeah, D100, absolutely, for anything sort of scientific. Um, but also, if you're running D100, the most common way to do that is you roll 2D10, right? Mm-hmm. That is rolling two dice. And that mm-hmm. means that you're going to have an effect like 2D6, where rolls in the middle are much more common. Only if you're adding them together. I mean, sure, but you're like looking for... You're not adding them together. You're doing tens and units, yeah. aren't you? Tens and yeah. ones. But, so that's not going to be the effect. But that, are you rolling a specific number, or are you attempting to roll equal to or under a number? Um, it depends on the system. Sure. Because um, what's, Cthul- what's Cthulhu and stuff? Uh, under, yeah. It's a roll under, yeah. Most yeah, most D100 yeah. are roll under. I don't think... I mean, we get some that you roll the D100, add your skill, and try and beat 100, for example, or things like that. That's a, that's another one. Um, so there are different ways of doing D100. Yeah. I, I mean, or... Yeah, but I haven't, haven't seen so many of those. Like, with Cthulhu specifically, it's like that increases your skill level, or if you... Like the Warhammer 40k ones, I think you added that, you like added a bonus to your skill level, and but you're still trying to roll under. Uh, like, yeah, you're going to get, like, there's going mm. to be a place where, like, you're, you're rolling and you're more likely to succeed because your skill is at a certain place. Whereas if you're rolling, like, a flat D20, which is a perfectly adequate, like, you know, representation, provided you're not too fussed about sixes and sevens and so forth. Like, yeah, that will do you a 100, but that's actually a true flat swing, whereas a D100 isn't a swing. You'll get, you'll... I'm pretty sure it is. I, it I, is a flat. I believe it has an exercise to the listener or the reader. No, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. D100 is. Yeah, it, it's flat. I'm really sure it is. It, but it's, you go on anydice.com and put it in and get the graph. I bet you it is. But you're looking for numbers. Yeah, but you're going to have to add up all the stuff underneath it. It depends. If you're going for, like, a certain number, then, yeah, sure, it's a flat line. But if you're looking for numbers equal to and under that number, it's cumulative. But, you know, well, let, shall, shall, shall we move on then? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's stop talking about probability. Yeah, maths. I zoned out yeah. on that. You started um, talking about probability and maths, and I was like, this yeah. is not the place for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, add numbers up. Uh, That's how mm-hmm. D100 works. Anyway. Adding up yeah. numbers is so, difficult. Yeah. So, so if, I find different dice feel Sorry. different. Though. I think that's yes. kind of what I was saying. Different dice feel well, different, they do. and they, they affect my perception of a genre and a game. Oh. In a in a intangible way, and whether way. or not you've used dice affects the game as well. Like if you're using Jenga blocks mm. or oh, yeah. blots mm. blocks, yeah. or if you're using uh, yeah. tarot dice. Like I know there's uh, not dice cards. God, yeah. Oh, like it's a, going well no, today. Uh, yeah. You do your best. That's important. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's all I have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know loads of games use tarot cards. One again, that makes a different feel to a game like this, the part of the tactile experience, which yeah. will suit different genres and things like that as well. So. Yeah, mm. like um, I think it's like as someone was talking us or about declarative ways of running a game. So like in Everway, I was in an Everway game, and the guy, you know, no fault of his own, was just like not really understanding the system. And I didn't understand the system. This is several years later with a lot of exper- more experience, and he was basically running a combat like it was a D and D thing, where he's like drawing mm-hmm. a card each time and having to interpret it every time. Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Whereas really, you should like draw a card, and that's how the combat turns out. Hmm. And it's like 
you know, okay, that I know that's a bit weird because we're not used to having fights like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just so like you draw yeah, a card. I've never, never played, uh, never played ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been in a couple of campaigns, um, but mm. I didn't really understand. Uh, and to be fair, right, the first one I played in was hacked, and we used dice, so not, not at mm. all. Actually, I've, I've been in a quarter of an Everway campaign, or like a snippet. Uh, but yeah, here's a question: mm-hmm. Would you be comfortable playing in a game where you didn't really understand how the rules were working? That is every game Did... I ever play, Russ. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, like I go to conventions um, specifically to be engaged where I don't understand what's going yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. So you just say you want to do something, and the GM tells you to roll some dice. You don't really know where you are, and he. Well, I, I, sure. I've been in a convention game where it's basically I. It was called a Cthulhu, but it's just like these are skills you are good at these are skills you are okay at and that's literally what it mm. said and i rolled mm. dice and was just like hoping for the best yeah, Which, yeah. i yeah. very but, often in any game i'm like okay i i want my character to do this thing mm. how do we mechanically yeah. do that and usually it's yeah. something that's a bit yeah. i do this in D 5e a lot because usually the mm. system doesn't support the thing i want to do mm. so the gm has to be like okay there's not really a rule for that so we're going to do this so roll this for me and that's how we'll do it uh, but sometimes there is a system for doing that thing. But yeah, I I don't mind as a player yeah. with any system being like, hey, I'm not sure what the rule is on this, but I want to do this. And mm. that's why I feel pressure as a GM when I'm running a game to really know the system mm. because I want my players, I want to be that for my players. I don't want my players to have to know all mm. the rules. I want them to be able to say to me, hey, I'm trying to do this, and I can go, sure, you do this by, but um, and you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean that is very strange because like. I'm, I'm sure I recall long discussions about rule of cool. So, like, surely just mm. make it up. Um, yeah, and there there are times when that's the case, but there's yeah. like, you know, it's not like a, you know, there are systems in place, and you, if there's if there's a rule and a way to do it, you kind of want to to lean into that. So, you mm. know, if if that's getting in the way of the thing they want to do, then mm. sure, if if there's a reason, we can tweak it. But I should know what the rule is. Because knowing what the rule, yeah, at least in order, in order to, to make the decision, decision yeah. of whether or not, you know, because if I know the rule mm-hmm. system, then I'll know actually leaving this rule out will kind of break the system and make it unfair for other people. But if I know the system, I'll know mm-hmm. that actually, if we just do this, it's not going to cause any problems. I reckon D and D's probably got a lot of rules that a lot of people that play it don't know. Absolutely, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> um, certainly I don't know they're all there. Yeah. I mean, especially in the DMG, yeah. there's oh. probably loads of stuff in there that. Yeah. Less yeah. than less than you might think. Uh, I was just having a look at the big book of appendices the other day, and hmm. it's 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 got stuff about world building. It's like maybe this was relevant in twenty fourteen, but there are much better resources out there. Yeah, it's got the magic items. Mm. I'm, yeah. I'm struggling. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I honestly really... looked at the contents the other day. And I was like, oh yeah, that might be useful. Oh, yeah. I think it's got something about oh setting the DCs mm-hmm. ten, fifteen, mm. and twenty. I'm yeah. like, yeah, actually, no, that's fair. That that is good advice. Stick with those, and you're good. Um, Either don't yeah. ask him to roll because it's too easy, 10, 15, and 20, or don't ask him to roll it's too difficult. This is a really old school way of playing D&D. I have never done this, and I don't think I know anyone that has. <sighs> so I don't know if it's a mythical way of playing D&D that ever, ever existed or didn't actually exist. But it's the DM making all of the roles behind the screen, even for the players. Oh? So the players literally don't have a rules based interface to the game. Um, oh. They just say what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. The DM interprets the rules, mm. makes the rolls like in a black box, yeah, yeah. Um, and spits out the result. I mean, I can't say, Russ, you're describing literally how I play every computer RPG. 
Like, well, that's yeah. yeah computers do I, that. Yeah, I'm aware, I mean, computer RPGs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that's specifically something I actually think I enjoy about computer RPGs. I don't want to know the numbers. I don't want to think about that. I just want to play my mm. game and do some stuff, and I'll pick things and if they mm. sound cool. I mean, there's a lot of games where you're supposed to build and you're supposed to know this, that, and the other. I'm like, nah, don't want to play this game. <laughs> like, mm. this is not relaxation for me. This is work. Literally yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> so I just bought a black box. Uh, I click some buttons and pretty things happen. So you were, you were playing a tabletop game like that, would you? But uh, you literally have no idea what moves really are. Um, you just You just have to trust the fact that the person is doing something behind the screen and not just making up what they want. Well, I mean, I try and trust in the GM, mm-hmm. but like mm. I've had some bad experiences with GMs. Like I recall one GM where I played the game and my character got captured, tied up, and I couldn't, had to, I had to escape and there was literally nothing I could do. Oh. I'm like, hmm. Why is that okay. fun? It, it was not. Yeah. So I made a note <laughs> of that GM and their name and I have never played in the game and I make a point to steer people away from them. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I've never seen D&D played that way because I know a lot of people enjoy D&D for building their characters so they can do specific things. Um, like I'm playing a fighter and I've built my fighter in a certain way so I have loads of combat manoeuvres and picking which manoeuvre I do in different situations tactically is part of the fun of me playing that character. So, yeah, yeah I'm not sure I would, even I would enjoy playing that way. Like, you know, I joke around, I don't know the rules to any system I'm in joke also true but like even i enjoy running my character yeah, yeah. Mm. I, I mean that's really sort of, bless you Sorry. that's really sort of a question of um agency yeah but yes that's the really good point yeah. i think it boils down to agency mm. i'm not doing i know i'm not playing this character in the most optimal way but mm. i'm doing it yeah i think there's systems which give you more agency and there's systems which take it away it's like for horror systems um i think uh the good horror systems we described are things like dread where it's like you have very little agency. You are just mm-hmm. basically hoping for the best. Well, tell, Ten Candles does something very interesting with agency as mm. well. I'm sorry, I'm going on about a lot because I'm running it tomorrow, no, so I've been rereading it. But you yeah. start with um, the players have all the narrative control because you have oh, yeah, all the so. dice when all the candles are lit and the yeah. game master doesn't have any dice at the beginning. Uh, but yeah. as the game goes on, for each candle that blows out, the game master steals one of the players' kind of dice as in their pool as it were mm-hmm. and so it doesn't mean that they win or lose it means that the gm has narrative control over what happens and so slowly yeah. as the game goes on there's this slow thing where the agency and what's happening and the description of what's happening in the world goes from the players to the game mm. master yeah it's a literal yeah. loss of agency yeah. a literal loss yeah. of control yeah which is kind of good yeah which is really yeah. nicely done and it's very it's mm. very beautifully mm. done mechanically because it has that feeling as well because then later in the game that's when things are starting to go wrong because you know um yeah, and especially in that game, because you tell people at the beginning, you're like, your character's not going to survive. The end of this game is that they're going to be dead. <laughs> and this is a story mm. of us talking about that journey. So so it's not yeah. like it's a surprise for any characters. You say it right at the beginning, because mm. I think it would be unfair to, to jump that on a player if they were like, oh, like, mm. but if they mm. know from the beginning, this is what we're doing, then I think yeah. that slow loss of agency mm. is, leads into the storytelling. But yeah. Yeah, so this topic is definitely more, doesn't it? it? Has, well, it's it definitely has. a good way, to, <laughs> but, but it's definitely a good way to do a tragedy, which is essentially what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, because, like, you know, it's like just a slow. Yes. You know it's going to end badly, yeah. it's just how yeah. you get there. So. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is part of the interest. Yeah. yeah no, so that's yeah. a anyway. really solid mm. trial right. emulation there. But yeah, mm. but that was kind of, mm. I wanted to talk about different 
systems and how they support different mm. storytelling. How so, about yeah. the opposite, though? Can you think of any that are a really bad choice but, that you just would never Doctor do? Doctor Who. Not necessarily that exist, or maybe even some yeah. that do exist, where they've been paired up, definitely the wrong system, but... Things that someone said, oh, I'm going to try doing this in this system. And you think, no, that would be a bad Quite idea. Quite Doctor Who. Quite Doctor Who. I mean, that yeah. exists. <laughs> I'm not sure seven. that's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, but because the Cubicle no, 7 okay. have a system for Doctor Who, which yeah. is, mm-hmm. yes. Solid. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's do that. Um, that was that was, that was yeah, what immediately yeah. came to mind. Because when I, when I heard that, I was like, that is... But I do often see people trying to force 5e into... Very many different yeah. storytelling right, things. Yeah. And I, yeah. I get why. But what would you say it's about Doctor Who that 5e doesn't do well? Ah, uh, well, Doctor Who isn't about... So D&D Party. has a... Yeah, because yeah. D&D's a lot, has a lot on the combat system. There's a huge amount mm. of rules in that. And if you take out yeah. the fighting... It's most of the book. Yeah. You're excising yeah. a large set of the rule set. Yeah. Like, well, mm. you can. It's adequate, mm-hmm. but you've got no support for the things you want to do in Doctor Who, yeah. which mm. is talking, running, and solving your problems on violence. Yeah, an awful lot of yeah. running, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, so I, d- I don't see how that system supports those kind of stories. Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Mm. Um, I think definitely I wouldn't do... I, I do sort of Ravenoff-style horror with D&D, that's yeah. fine. But it's not really horror. That it's just it's kind of horror themed action, spooky action. Whereas, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, spooky action. Yeah. I like. I wouldn't that. do actual horror that, with that, D&D, that I is, don't think. That is my absolute favourite thing to do with uh, Savage Worlds. Yeah. Like, I'm mm. like, no, magic is not for you. Magic is horrible and is going to eat your face. Um, but mm. you might still be able to do stuff. I guess it's like you. It's like reading a Robert uh, Robert E. Howard, who's the guy that wrote Conan. Take mm. on the Lovecraftian universe. So mm-hmm. it's like you know, Conan meets mm. Cthulhu almost. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I like. I have to say, it's it's really interesting because I I like Lovecraft's mm. very purple prose. The racism I can definitely leave. Yeah, edit that out. But the purple out. Yeah. prose I love, and it's like, oh, there was something behind the door that I fainted. But like the oh, shock off, hey, chit it. <laughs> it just it just appeals to me on some sort of oh yeah, there's there's monsters yeah. out there, they're very scary and terrifying. Mm-hmm. We should do something about them. I'm like, Ooh, yes. So yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what yeah. would you definitely not? Genre mash. Definitely not. Uh, I mean... Because uh, uh, some, sometimes in some systems it does feel almost like a genre mash. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do any kind of high heroic action stuff with um, basic role-playing, the Cthulhu system, because it just doesn't really lean towards that at all. It's definite bias to failure there. Mm. Well, I can, I can tell you from experience that trying to do horror with Savage Worlds, you're onto a bit of a hiding for nothing. Um, spooky action, mm. it it nails. I love it. Yeah, but, but yeah. like horror. Well, then Savage Worlds is a bit like D and D tone wise, though, isn't it? Yeah, I I mean, it's like a bias. There's basically there's games where there's a bias to failure, and there's games where there's a bias to success. Like the Powered by the Apocalypse stuff. If you do the math, there's a bias to failure, and like there's an encouragement to fail at your roles because that's usually part of the XP system. Yeah, fair enough. I don't know. Um, he will love this. Barbie using gerps. Yeah, I wouldn't... That wasn't the system that came to mind for me. That wasn't... Yeah, I would yeah. agree. I, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and, like, the Siege Action uh, games are like, actually, you know what? We've had enough Munchkin. We're going to bring out Barbie for gerps. And, like, that mm. could it, be... It, that could be... That could be a thing. Like, they, they're very good at researching. If you... 
I mean, if you want to prove me wrong and do an actual... I mean, you have stats for every single aspect of Barbie you can if think you... of. Barbie ski goggles, you have stats for them. There'll be plenty of equipment, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to prove me wrong and yeah. do a Barbie GURPS actual play, I'll watch it. But... <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, I was I was asserting that I don't think Barbie Gerps would be oh, a good fit. I was talking to, to anyone listening that would be outraged oh, at, yes, at your assertion that Gerps wouldn't be good for Mar- uh, for Barbie. Mm, I say I, to them, I, please do a Barbie Gerps actual play and and let me prove us wrong. Let us see it because I mm, will. I would watch that. I I, I think yeah. Jessica, you've actually found an actual play that I would actually sit down and watch with. Every side of enjoyment. <laughs> Amazing. So there you go. So if you're listening, you're like, no, Gertz and Barbie absolutely would be the Someone thing. Someone has to do this now. Okay. We, we, we need we to see it. it. Like, prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. We would be delighted. Yes. Yeah. All right. Genre we haven't mentioned yet. Yes. Investigation. Well, Cthulhu, I think, oh, yeah, is great yeah. for investigation because, you know, that's a lot of what it does because that's a lot of the game. Gumshoe, Gum- which Pelbrain yeah. have designed specifically yes. for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Gumshoe is, is, is better because the problem with, like... Most dice rolling systems and investigation are you constantly have to remember do not gate clues behind the dice roll. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gate the context behind the dice roll by all means, but don't yeah. hide the clue. Well, Gumshoe gives you the yeah. clues. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that is its genius. That's a really good piece so, of advice, yeah. actually, for. Yeah. For, for anything, if, especially yeah, well, not, not, it, not original to me. I'm sure. He. Well, yeah, yeah, I know, but it, yeah, I, I don't think. Oh, <laughs> Peter came up with this concept all by themselves. Uh, but like, I'm, I meant. Got the gumshoe yeah, system. Uh, yeah, written oh, by Peter. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and that's good advice. Generally, is is don't make if if you definitely want your player to have a thing, don't make them roll for it and risk them not getting it. And like things like the rule of three and so forth. Make sure there's at least three clues or anything. Which yeah. seems like a lot of. That's the door rule as well. Of course, so don't don't stick things behind a locked door if you if you if you need your players to get through it because if your players can't get through it, you just bottleneck your game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and oh, yeah. well, occasionally players will bottleneck themselves. You like say, oh, there's a door there, don't go through it. And there is at least one person on my acquaintance, uh, well, knowledge. I, I sort of know. It's online. Leave me be. Um, and they'll be like, oh, I shouldn't go through there. Okay. Yeah, you just told them not to. I I couldn't go through the door. That would be rude. Yes, you just told me not <laughs> to go through the door. Yeah, yeah, um, mm. and and that that has led to apparently many games being stimmied as a result. Why do you speak in riddles, yeah. so Peter? <laughs> I would do that. I'd be like, you know, not going to have people like if they don't want to go through the door, they're going to lock the door, right? And they're just like not. I mean, they might say, "Oh, don't go mm. through that," but yeah. Anyway. Unlikely, yeah. to be fair. Th- I would draw attention think, to think, the, the place where I'm keeping secrets. Exactly. Do you think a good conclusion to draw from this is there isn't really such thing as a genuine, decent, universal system? I oh. I, I would um, generally, yes. I would. I, I, I don't think there's anything, there's a one-size-fits-all for things, because there's always if, hmm. buts, and maybes. There'll be some systems that are more flexible than others that suit more things yeah. than others. So, so, so we can hit a broader yeah. range of things than but I others, don't but... think one will ever be everything. Also because of personal taste, because different people like different uh, things. Of course. Yeah. You, you can have adequate systems yes. for everything, but finding good oh, yeah. does require... I mean, you can. Yeah. You can do anything in D and D five that you want. Yeah, you can. No, yeah. I mean, I'm not. You know, I mean, you can, you can, you can, you can dress. Uh, I, you can dress a dog up in any costume you want, and you know, you can, you can? dress D and D up in any costume you uh-huh. want. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always a good yeah. idea, but you can do Wait, it. Are you saying that we shouldn't dress dogs up in costumes? Because no. I, I, I'm 
The, the internet says well, you're wrong, Russ. Can the image... <laughs> I challenge you. I challenge you to come here and dress my dogs up in costume. I would happily do that. I will watch with great I'll amusement. i do that. And hilarity. And probably film it for posterity. Yeah. And make an awful lot of money when Should it goes viral. Should I send Daryl a picture of Django in a costume for this podcast episode picture? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, Sad Django you, you dressed want... like an elf. Or in an Easter bonnet. It's like, can you can you put clothes on my dogs faster than they can eat? Oh, that's clothes? a difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, Russ. Stop moving the goalposts, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> the only one was, can you get the dog dressed? And I was like, I can. Yeah, but, but things like the Powered by the Apocalypse concepts, Forged in the Dark. Yeah, very flexible. Uh, well, I don't, I'd actually, I'm going to say no to Forged in the Dark. Forged oh, in the really? Dark is a very good tool set mm. but it's it's I wouldn't describe it as universal I think that's probably actually mm. a strength mm. um, I think the reason why it's uh, put in the power by the apocalypse is because you use it to tell really good story games and emulate genres which it does do exceedingly well mm-hmm. so but mm. again it's that emotional experience you're after so like and like you know you try to tell a story you want to keep to a narrow set of tropes and you want to find out how you get to where you go in the story, then Powered by the Apocalypse does a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm more about the I, I, I like I don't I don't want the destination to be the thing. I'm like, I want to find out what's happening and what's gonna happen next. So that's why mm. I prefer more traditional stuff. You know, yeah. there's nothing mm. wrong with wanting to know how your story ends. <laughs> it's probably a good idea in many mm. cases, but I don't like it. Okay. No. Fair enough. All right. Um Okay, so another question mm-hmm. then. So the proliferation of systems. Mm. So at one end of the scale, you could have every single game mm-hmm. has its own unique bespoke system perfectly tailored to yeah. it. That's one end of a hypothetical yeah, yeah. scale. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that doesn't exist. Yeah. Of a hypothetical scale. Mm. At the other end of this hypothetical scale, mm-hmm. you have got... There's only one role-playing game system in the world, and every single thing uses that All role-playing right, game down, system. Hasbro. Right at the other end of the scale. <laughs> 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 I mean, we are near a coast, but you're not a wizard, Russ. I mean, you have to remember that. <laughs> I mean, do you do you think that the tendency of like um, systems, uh, people to try and use existing systems, is a positive or a negative thing generally? Or would, would I mean, that's not a lot yeah. of yeah. Let, let me let, let me rephrase this. Right? Would okay, you rather you have a tool for every single possible thing you could do, or a hammer? Or would you like somewhere in between? I want something in between. I want a um, toolbox with lots of different tools for different things I'm doing. I want a hammer in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, yeah. I play D&D. That's Pretty great. useful. But yeah. sometimes it, but a hammer is not a screwdriver. True. And, mm. you know. <laughs> screwdriver is not a and hammer. And I know you can <laughs> use a Swiss army knife for many things. But sometimes... And you can, you can whack a nail in with a screwdriver. Yeah, if you really need to. But it's not really suited yeah, to Yeah, gosh, it, it makes life yeah. so much easier and quicker. Yeah, so I... Yeah, yeah. To answer your question, Russ, yeah, I want something more in the middle. Like, I, I don't want every. I, I want. So, there are some systems that will work with lots of things, and that's really great sometimes because yeah. I know a lot of people enjoy certain systems and don't want to learn a new system. Sometimes they're like, oh, let's just play mm-hmm. something we know this week. Fair enough. Totally get that. Mm-hmm. But then equally, I don't want the other extreme end of the scale where there's no innovation or diversity yeah. and we're all just playing this one game yeah. because that's like saying, mm. that's like saying, I really like Star Wars films or films. Yeah brought out should only be Star Wars films and it's like no there should yeah. be lots of films and there'll be loads of films yeah. that come out that aren't for you that you won't enjoy 
that you yeah, won't watch, but other people will. But, but their their existence richens the, yes. the, yeah. the movie going. Some people want to watch Saltburn. You know, yeah. some people want to watch Saltburn. Some people want to watch Encanto. And they also, can both exist. Also, the things that you do like probably do still get stuff from those oh, things. Yeah. Like D&D has certainly borrowed stuff from other systems yeah. over the years oh, and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So I, I, those things do... I borrow stuff from other systems all the time. Mm-hmm. Like clocks, countdown mechanics. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have those. They're useful to me mm-hmm. while I'm there with my hammer. And But it's like, with the, to, to extend the tools metaphor, mm-hmm. it's like, I've extended my toolbox, but there are tools which are not suitable for me to use because they are very specific and I don't have the skills to use them. Mm-hmm. So things like safety tools, I add into my toolbox. Mm-hmm. I mean, fortunately, they're called tools already, so that helps. Uh-huh. But, you know, um, there are, there, there's like systems out there which are, there, there's like a, I, I, I've got a how to make a city game in my thing. And that's like, that's not even a game itself in many ways. It's sort of like a, a, a tool to help me make more game, if that makes sense. Mm. So, you know, it's just like, just saying, oh, well, this this particular thing, this will always be everything I need. It's like, well, sure. Enjoy your hammer. Have fun. I, it's got a back yeah. end. You can get screws out and you can hold screws in to do stuff with it. Nah, sorry. Um, yeah. I'll cease my rant. <laughs> I'm just wondering what the world would be like, though, if every single game did have its own bespoke system, lovingly crafted especially for it and play-tested and fine-tuned to be absolutely perfect for that exact type of story they're trying to tell. I'd hate it. You think? Yeah, yeah, because like that means that it comes with a setting that's put on top, and mm, yes, I'd have to yeah. be required to know law and do it. So I'd either have to make my own role playing game system. Well, maybe not a setting, a genre, maybe not a setting specifically. Oh, well, I mean, like Mothership, for example, isn't a setting specifically, it's a genre, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. So you can do aliens with it, is one setting, yeah. or you could do a different sort of space horror thing. Mm. But I, I, do need, I do need my creative freedom because one, I find it and interesting to learn other people's law. Sometimes it's really good. Often not, for me, personally. I don't think that's the good way to learn the law, though. Mm. That's mm. the thing. I don't think learning a law via, via an RPG is fun for me, personally. No. Learning oh. the Playing an RPG in a universe that I already know the law from because it's law that I was into already. Mm. Like, it's a film series yeah. I like or something. I... Then, but then I don't have to learn the law because I know it because... Yeah. A, I'm a fan of that well, You've learned anyway. it through listening to stories, and that's very much a good way for me Which to Which is answer. a very different yeah. medium to reading By an contrast. RPG. Like, yeah. like, if I read Dragonlance, yeah. I've read so much Dragonlance, if you said, let's play a Dragonlance game, I'd be like, yeah, sweet. But if you say, here is a book about, I don't know, Sigil or whatever, read this before you can play the game, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll get back to you. Mm. Away. But that said, I, d- I haven't read Dragonlance books, but... Russ ran Dragonlance campaign that I played mm-hmm. in, and I really enjoyed learning about the lore of Dragonlance by playing that game. You specifically ah, said not to us, the game. "No, not running them, but by playing it." Yeah, as a player. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm looking at it from a GM hat. Oh yeah. Like, I, I like oh, Russ yeah, knows yeah. lore really well. Yeah. Well, that's very obvious, and you really enjoyed it oh, because Russ knows lore. Dragonlance. I've probably forgotten a lot of what but I was I wouldn't like, know. I, I think <laughs> I can say that you've forgotten more than Jess ever knew about this. Well, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm not trying to be rude, sorry. No, no, it's not rude. I don't know about Dragonlance, I haven't read them. It's not... Uh, But but you've learned about it, and now you're more interested in it, and you'd be like, if someone then showed you a Dragonlance novel, you'd be like, oh, I could maybe read that and have some idea. Mm -hmm. Like, you wouldn't understand all of it, but it's like, gives you conceptual hooks to hang off. Anyway, I feel we may have 
exhausted the topic a little as we are wandering yeah, into different we've areas. Gone a, we've, got, we've gone a bit over time yeah, too, yes. so we should think about winding this show but yes, up. Yes, but think about your rule set that you're using with the stories you're wanting to tell. Yeah. Is is yeah, that the, the message of the week? I don't know. Well, well I'd, I'd say it's like you will learn something from every game you play, whether you play it or you're running it, sometimes both. Um, don't forget to play games as well because seeing what things are like on the other side of the table is very useful. Mm-hmm. And as you go around, you'll see examples of other people doing stuff. Grab those and put them into your game running practice and you will become a better GM. Yeah. You know that the more games I play, though, the more I start to feel that a, a lot of games are the same. Mm. And like the, the differences in the mechanics aren't really that consequential to the actual game. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then those are situations where literally they could just switch systems and you wouldn't notice. You would still have the same experience pretty much. Well, if they did that whole black box thing, that could be an interesting experiment mm. to do. Yeah. Well, could it, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Try it and say, do you, do you, did you have the same experience? Yeah. 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 Um, well, that, that's something else you can do, listeners, if you want to. Uh, <laughs> if you're enraged yeah. by our... <laughs> silliness then you can certainly do that experiment and actually we would be genuinely interested to hear yeah. you could do it with rules light games i think hmm, maybe i'd be a bit harder to do with rules heavy games because you could be a lot more work to do but with rules light games and you could do a few one shots all, all with different systems but the players don't know what's going on and but you're playing the same genre so you're trying to emulate the same experience same type, and then you said, "Did that? Did it feel to you like you were playing the same game four times in a row, or did you feel like you were playing four different games?" I I think actually that is a really good point in that rules light and genre emulate emulators and storytelling games. Rules light doesn't really have that much of a meaning in some respects. I mean, it's possible for something to have very few rules. But, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, so I, I, I like cognitive load on the rules. Yeah. Okay, so I guess you could try running, say, Honey Heist, and then switch it over to Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah. But that would be problematic because for like a proper PBTA game has defined. Um, oh, I can't remember moves? his proper name. Playbooks. Yeah, you got the you got the moves. I've got the playbook, and that is something yeah. you need to have. So that requires sure. player choice. Yeah. yeah. Next thing. Anyway, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. All right, then. Let's get out of here. Yeah. But, but a good talk. Uh, it's been really I hope, good. I hope I have the best weekend, and everyone else has great weekends, but they're not quite as good as my weekend. Okay. okay. That's what I hope. That's what I hope for the world this, this weekend. Okay. I hope everyone has a nice weekend. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I hope mine's okay. Yeah, anyway. I'm just going to go. <laughs> it should be quite good, actually. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> All right. I'll right. hey, well, catch you later. Have a good bye. weekend. Bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. 
You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. So the rebel, the resolution didn't didn't involve. Um, I'm sorry. Russ is being accosted um, by a dog. A dog, dog has right just jumped up and is trying yeah, to lick his face. Well, while Russ extricates himself from his canine companion, <laughs> uh, it's probably just that there's not going to be a rebel moon 